I was in a, um, Israel a few years ago, and we were in a desert. And the thing that they kept on saying is that the heat in Israel is not like the heat in New York. You know how, like, the heat in New York is, like, humid heat? Yeah, I never even understood that. I always thought people were being uh, jerks, you know, when they was like, oh, yeah, it's like the humidity is, like, whatever. And I was just like, oh, who cares? It just feels hot. Uh, but if you're in, like, a desert, you could literally be walking around feeling fine and be dehydrated. So they would say, hey, make sure you get enough water because we don't want you to be dehydrated. That was the thing to the entire group that we were with, get plenty of water. And I was thinking to myself how necessary water is not only to quench our thirst, but to give us life. We all, we all have longings. We all have things that we think that we need to survive. Water is one of those things that we absolutely need to survive. Today, Jesus is going to talk about quenching a thirst that's equally as important as water. He's going to talk about who quenches the, thought, the thirst inside us, because everyone inside of us, every one of us, rather, has a longing inside of us that we need satisfied. Some of us have longings for relationships. You're single, and you're looking for a relationship, and you go, God, if I only had a relationship, that would be, that would mean the world to me. That would make me happy. Others of us, it's for financial stability. God, if I just got it to this financial level, then I would be satisfied. Whether it's your, the thing that you're looking for is satisfaction in finances or a lover or your health or children, or anything else. We all have longings. And what we find in the scripture is that God meets us and satisfies our deepest longings and gives us himself. Today we're going to read in um, the book of John. We're in our series called Beginning. And we're trying to speak about the, the just... Starting off, everything has a beginning, right? Your relationships have a beginning. Your work has a beginning. Your, everything has a beginning. And for some of us, for some of us, we don't know that about our faith. We just go, we were born in a particular family that went to church, and so we don't think of our faith having a beginning. But our faith doesn't. For some of us, we need to just come back to that faith because we've been away for so long. So we've been saying, what does it look like to begin again in our faith? And so as we've been speaking about that, today we find ourselves, what does it look like to be indwelt and filled with what the Bible calls the Spirit of God, the one who will satisfy us? Because every one of us will want to make, this is why this is so important, every one of us will want to make our longings and desires our Savior. That's really, really important. That's why we walk around in um, our society and we try to find an identity outside of God to call ourselves, an identity that we connect with, Puerto Rican, black, straight, gay, wealthy, poor. We try to find an identity outside and we say, oh, okay, if I just fulfill, because that longing is so deep inside of me for national pride, for sexual satisfaction, for whatever it is, 
because it's so profound. I'm going to identify myself with that. And God says, no, 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 no. The deepest longing that you have is for me, God would say. And he will satisfy you deeply, sufficiently. Some of us walk around um, saying that we're addicts. And we keep on relapsing back into those old behaviors, those old things, going back to the alcohol who's robbed our life, and yet we name ourselves that. And God is going, no, 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 there's, there's a, that desire, that temptation is simply pointing to a deeper longing that you have for him. And so we're going to see that here. We see Jesus in chapter 7. And let me give you the, the, uh, the setup here. Jesus is in the Feast of Booths. So the Jewish people would celebrate all that God had done in the Exodus, leaving Egypt and going into the Promised Land, and how God had provided for them in meaningful and powerful ways. He had given them food, this, this manna, this whatchamacallit. They didn't even know what it was called. That's why they called it manna. It was like a whatchamacallit. That's what manna means, like a whatchamacallit. Um, and so it was th that God had provided for them every day. And every day, six days a week, every day, the Israelites would collect this manna to eat, being reminded, oh, wait, God can be trusted. God satisfies. God provides. This lesson needed to be taught so deeply that God gave this lesson to them six days a week for 40 years. For 40 years. God can be trusted. God satisfies. God fills. No, 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 no. The alcohol will never satisfy. No, 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 no. The other gods that we pursue, they never fulfill. But, but wait, 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 wait. God can be trusted. God satisfies. God quenches. And so they did that for 40 years. So the Jewish uh, uh, people are celebrating this incredible thing that God has done and they stay for this eight-day period in, this, um, in booths, reminding themselves that God satisfies. And so Jesus is in this environment, but da -da -da, they're threatening his life. They're saying at this point uh, in the book of John that uh, the religious leaders were out to destroy Jesus, to literally kill him. And so... Jesus is there, and he's keeping, if you read at the very beginning of the chapter, his brothers come up to him and say, Jesus' brothers do, they come up to him, and they say, hey, why don't you go over there and proclaim yourself? And the Bible tells us the reason that they did that is because they didn't even believe in him. They wanted to, like, call his bluff. Unless you think that that's really difficult uh, to absorb, how much would it take for you to believe that your brother was God? take a lot, right? Yeah. That's why James is so powerful. James, in the end, uh, towards the end of the New Testament, James, you, listen, if you don't believe that uh, Jesus is God, think about this. James, the brother of Jesus, worshiped him as God. Why? Because when the dead guy gets up from the grave, you tend to believe everything else that he says. That's the, that's the rule. That's the rule of life. When a dead guy gets up, you believe what he says. And so, so Jesus, the brothers didn't believe yet. 
Jesus is, uh, they're saying, why don't you just proclaim yourself? And Jesus is going, it's not my time. I'm not going to do it. Now, this part is really, really important. Stay tuned to this part. What they would do during this feast is they would go over to the waters in Siloam, and they would take like this golden pitcher, and then they would bring it over to a rock. Now, the history of this is you'll remember um, God provided food, but God also provided water. You'll remember this one time where God let water gush out of the rock. God hovered over the rock, or God's presence was on the rock, and, and the question was, who was going to take the punishment? Are the people going to take the punishment? Is Moses going to take the punishment? And so God goes to Moses and he says, listen, you guys are rebellious people, but here's what I want you to do, Moses. I want you to take your staff, think about this for a second, and I want you to strike the rock. Think about that. He's asking Moses, the, the staff reprimanded represented um, punishment. Just like in, I don't know if you grew up in a house like I grew up, um, when you see belts, you can have like a traumatic uh, uh, flashbacks, right? Now, I know that there are some of you here who go like, that's child abuse, don't say that. I know, it's just the culture I grew up in. I'm a Puerto Rican guy, and my father, the way he punished us was there, there was no such thing as timeouts. Did anybody here have a timeout growing up? I bet there's a few of you. Just wasn't a timeout in my house, right? Yeah, okay. And the four of you that do ha did have timeouts, you're too embarrassed to raise your hand because of the way I set it up. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So there was no timeouts. So when I saw the belt, I knew that justice was going to happen, right? Okay, okay. Now, this is important because when God spoke about the rod, he spoke about the rod of justice. And he asked Moses to strike the rock with the rod of justice. Why would God get punished? You see, God was pointing to something gorgeous that was going to happen in the future, that he was going to take the punishment that you deserved, that he was going to take the, wound, the, 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 the punishment that you deserved because of your rebellion against God. God was going to take it because of your pursuing other identities, other idols, rebelling against God. God was going to take the punishment, and he was giving the signs and the signals and the symbols long before. God, it was as if God was giving, hey, guys, I want you to see something. I want you to see something. I'm going to take the punishment. Now, they take the water at Siloam back to what they were doing in Jesus' day to uh, commemorate this. They were doing a memorial service. And by the way, this is important for us because we're going to take communion today. We need to remember all that God has done. They would take this golden pitcher, and the, every day they would pour it over the water. Every day they would pour it over the water. Um, um, the water over the rock. They, every day they would pour the water over the rock um, to be reminded that when um, Moses struck the rock. By the way, a little piece of trivia, that's why the punishment was so severe for Moses because he struck the rock twice. God only needs one time to pay for the sins of the many. And he did one for all time on the cross. He paid for our sins. Moses struck the rock twice. He says, you missed it, Moses. You don't understand what I'm about to do. They pour the water over the rock as to remember that after Moses struck the rock, 
God let waters gush out so that they could be satisfied. Because in the desert, when you're dry, water is about life and death. Isn't that true? It's at this environment. Jesus has been seeing this for like seven days. He sees this over and over, and he comes, and he can't hold it anymore. He knows that if he exclaims and cries out, his life is in jeopardy, but this message is so important to Jesus that he can't let it go. He's got to say something. And that's where we find him in John chapter 7. Verse 37 through 39. Now, in your bulletins, you have the NIV. Um, On the screen, we're going to have the NASB. Can I confess something to you? I didn't bring my notes from downstairs. I left it in the printer. And the Bible that I brought is NASB. So I asked my wife, full disclosure, I asked my wife if she could change the translation. And last minute, she did. Okay? So that's why we're reading from the, it's not like super spiritual. I just screwed up. Okay, all right. So, what we're gonna do, what we're gonna do is we're gonna, what we do is we stand at the reading of God's word because it's so powerful. And we wanna be reminded that these are the words of God. Okay. And we're all gonna read in a nice loud voice. Would you all read with me in a nice loud voice? Yes? Yes. All right. (laughs) For all three of you. Thank you. All right. All right. Verse 37 on the count of three. One, two, three. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom he believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is God's word. Please have a seat. So, it's crazy, crazy. Jesus can't take it anymore. He sees this for seven days. He has a message, and he cries out, as the text says, He cries out because there's something that they need to know. That this is pointing to someone. Now, now it's important just to to say at the last verse that we just read, um, but he spoke of the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. If you've read the Bible a little bit, you know that Moses has received the Spirit. David, the Spirit was upon him. Uh, Samson, the Spirit was on him. And like over and over you see that the Spirit comes on certain people throughout the Bible. What Jesus is saying is not that those weren't valid. He's saying, you haven't seen nothing yet. You haven't seen nothing yet. This is why Jesus can say, John, greatest man that ever lived. Wait, wait, wait. Better than Abraham? Mm-hmm. Moses? No kidding. Elijah? Yeah, man. Greatest man that ever lived. Why? Because the one who's, who the Spirit dwells upon. Remember what Jesus says? The least of those in my kingdom are greater than the greatest. Right? So Jesus is, is saying that the gift of the Spirit that you and I receive is more powerful than you can possibly know. It satisfies deeper than anything that you could possibly go to. Jesus He's saying the Spirit of God 
It quenches. It satisfies. Let me ask you something. Do you have any longings? Do you have any desires that you think that only your spouse can satisfy? Oh, God satisfies on the deep things. Are you single? Do you have any longings that you think that only something else can satisfy? No, no, no. Do you want alcohol to the degree where you're willing to destroy your life? Listen, Jesus satisfies deeper than anything that you can go. He satisfies better than money. He satisfies better than relationships. He satisfies better than ambitions. He satisfies better than anything else that you can possibly go to. Because Jesus, the thirst that you have can only be quenched by the Spirit of God. Beloved, the, our problem is not that it's God um, finds it too difficult to satisfy us, to quench our thirst. Our problem is that we're too easily satisfied. We're messing around with little kitty stuff like sex and drink. And God wants to, God wants to satisfy you from your toes. It's profound. Back up to 37. Now, on the last day, the great day of the feast, remember I just kind of explained that whole uh, context to you, Jesus stood, out, stood and cried out with a loud voice. He cried out, I'd rather die than you guys not know this. Cried out saying, if any man is thirsty, if anyone has a longing, if anyone is parched, let him come to me. Let him come to me and drink. See, when you come to Christ, the reason you keep on falling back to the temptations that you and I continue to fall back on is that you simply think that something's better than Jesus. It's not that complex. Why do I keep on relapsing? You find that better than Jesus. Why do I keep on going back to that relationship? I know it's no good for me. I think it's better. Why do I keep on finding myself in this position again after I told myself I would never find myself in this position again? Why? Oh, because something is more satisfying to you than Jesus. Jesus says, if you come with a thirst, I'll quench it. If you come with a longing and a desire, I'll satisfy it more profoundly than all of your sin combined. He who believes in me. So let's think about this. Let's, let's think about two really important things that this text says. So if Jesus is the only one who can satisfy, the Spirit of God living in us is the only one, how do we get the Spirit? How do we get the Spirit? Let me ask you this. Do you want that kind of satisfaction that can only come from God? Let me ask you a better question. Have you ever tried to look somewhere other than God for satisfaction, got a small payoff, and then got a lot of regret towards the end? Anybody? Just anybody, raise your hand. Yeah, like four of you? Okay, cool. All right, yeah, there's a few of us. Yeah, nobody on this section, I get it. This section is suspect too. But a few of you over here, okay, right. So there's a few of us, there's some of us, right? How do we get that spirit then? Because is that your experience? Some of you have been walking in Christ for a long time. And you go, that's not my experience. I still long for things, not Jesus, to satisfy me. How do I get it? It says it right here in this text. He, see it in verse 38? Look at the text. He who believes 
in me. Who's the me here? Anybody know? Cool. If you're new to the church, the answer to every question I ask is always Jesus. Okay? So it's an easy test. So who's the me here? Jesus. As the scripture said. Remember? As the scripture said. Jesus is pointing back to what they've experienced. As the scripture has said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. How do we get this spirit that we so desperately long for and desperately need? Beloved, it's believing and believing in Jesus. Do you notice the two differences? It's possible to believe in and yet not believe Jesus. I've done it so many times. Here's what I mean. What happens is you're a confirmed Christian. You believe Jesus. You, the doctrines are true. You affirm everything that the Bible says, but you don't believe Jesus when it comes to your longings, your temptations, your desires. You go, no, 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 Jesus, I know you say that you satisfy me, but really, 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 no, 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 really, this, this deal over here, that will really satisfy me. You know how I know I say that to Jesus? Because it's where I run to. You know, don't, don't follow what you think. Don't follow what you believe. Follow what you do, and that'll tell you what you really believe and think. It's possible to believe Jesus. It's possible to believe in Jesus without believing him, beloved. Here's the truth about us. Isn't it true? We're all just a bunch of unfaithful Christians, if we're Christians at all. But aren't you glad that God doesn't depend on our faithfulness, but in fact is himself faithful enough for us that he will give us the longing? Listen to me. God will give you the desire. God will give you the, uh, the will. God will give you the strength. God will give you... It's, it's him... He does the work in us. We, we're faithful at being unfaithful, but God is faithful at drawing us to himself, giving us the satisfaction that we do not deserve, but that he gladly doles out in us for the sake of his son who died on the cross for those very sins that we feel guilty about. It's profound. If you believe, how do we get it? If you believe in me, Jesus says, would you just not only believe in him, would you also believe what he's going to say next? He who believes in me from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. He's the one who satisfies. I remember one time I was in a, an elongated fast, right? So it was like, it was a, a pretty long fast. And you know, after some time being in the fast, I was praying. If, you, if you're not familiar with fasting, fasting is a, a spiritual discipline in which you, you're saying to God, God, I, more than I want physical sustenance, I want spiritual sustenance. I want you to speak to me. I want to feast off of you. I want to know who you are. I want to be broken and delighted by who you are. Blow me away. And so I was fasting and and I was uh, doing it for a period of time, and it dawned on me that I, how addicted I was to food. Anybody else here struggle with an addiction to food? I'm like, when I get into an argument, true story, I got into an argument with a guy on the phone. 
I hung up and I picked up a bag of trail mix. And because like I, I don't want to do like the chocolate because then like you know I'm, I'm vain like that. I don't want to gain a whole bunch of weight. But I saw, and I picked it up and I was like, "You're not even hungry. What are you doing?" And it was because I had just gotten into this argument with this guy. Well, here's what happened. During that fast, the Lord awakened this idea in me that I got from um, John Piper, who wrote this book, Hungering for God. And it was simply this, that food numbs me to my desperation for Jesus. Food numbs me to my desperation for Jesus. Let me take... Do you know when you fall into your temptations that the sin that you fall into will numb you to your desperate need? You know when you're feeling tempted, what you're feeling is a desperate longing for Jesus that you think can be satisfied without Jesus? Do you know that that's all that temptation is? That when you feel a longing, whether it's for companionship, whether it's for finances, whether it's for whatever it is, when you feel a longing, it's simply God producing in you a longing to want him that you feel can only be satisfied by things outside of Jesus. Jesus says, if you believe in me, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of, in other words, he'll quench you, not only quench you, but you'll also be a delight to others. Ask yourself this question. When, When you're with other people, do you drain or do you nourish? Sometimes I'm a drain. Sometimes when I'm with other people, I just drain. Jesus says, no, no, no. I'm going to give you the spirit that you'll be a blessing. You'll, be, you'll satisfy others. You'll not only be satisfied within yourself, but a river will flow from without you so that you could be a satisfaction to other people around you. That's what our church should be. should be an effort of us blessing one another, growing in love with Jesus to the degree where we're overflowing into each other's lives. So how do we receive the Spirit where we believe in Him? Let me ask you something. Have you believed Him? Not just believed in Him. Have you believed Him? I hope so. And if not, you can cry out to Him. You can cry out to Him and go, Jesus, I don't believe you. This is the truth. I don't believe you. I'd rather have her than you. I'd rather have it than you. I'd rather have that than you. That's the truth about me. Let that break your heart and then let Jesus bring you back to himself because he's good like that. Secondly, how does the spirit work in our lives? Look at what it says here. But, but this he spoke of the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive for the spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. When you think of the imagery that Jesus is using, he's using the imagery of water, quenching, right? So what does water do? Anybody know? What does water do? Well, water does a bunch of things, right? Water cleanses us. So how do you know if you have the spirit? How can you tell if the spirit is working in you? Well, there's a couple of things. What does water do? Well, water cleanses us. Water keeps us alive, right? It keeps us going. You have a couple of, right? You can go for a long time without food, not so much with water, right? Um, it, water renews us, right? It renews you. It gives you uh, a renewed vigor and strength. That's what water does. Do you know that the Spirit does the same thing? Are you tired? Oh, run to Jesus. He'll satisfy. He'll renew your strength. Are you guilty and shameful? 
Run to Jesus. He cleanses. His spirit cleanses on the deep side. Not just this superficial cleansing, like, oh, well, I didn't. You know how, like, we superficially cleanse ourselves by saying things like, well, you know, I, I didn't know any better back then. I didn't. No, 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 beloved. Jesus cleanses us on the inside profoundly, profoundly. Jesus sends his spirit to renew us, to quench our longings, to cleanse us by his spirit. He's for you. Now, let me ask you. Are you walking with the, with the spirit like that? Are you walking with the spirit like that? Maybe no. Maybe, maybe you came here and you're thinking to yourself, you know, I don't walk with the spirit like that. He's not overflowing in me. I'm not feeling a satisfaction and a, and a renewing like what you were talking about. Maybe that's you. Cool. You're in the best place to admit that. Because I think at some point, every one of us believe that. Every one of us. And so, beloved, you can run to Jesus. We're going to take time in reflecting on Christ's sacrifice for us. We're going to partake in communion. And the way we do it here.